What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Kung Fu For You podcast. Today, we're going to talk about deceptive martial arts. Uh, in this podcast, Jake and I are going to discuss what it is and how it can be applied in everyday life, and also different systems such as uh, drunken boxing and ninjutsu, and uh, specifically with drunken boxing, if alcohol really makes a difference in how your performance is in practicing that system. And of course, the question of whether deceptive martial arts systems or deceptive martial arts techniques actually work in a real fight. So let's get into it. So we've got deceptive martial arts we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that can be involved with this, but really what what is a deceptive martial art? I mean, we can have deception in all martial arts, but... Pretty much, uh, deception is... Well, martial arts is deceptive. It, it's it's in every system that y- is known to man. I mean, there are techniques. Like different techniques. Yeah, yeah like there's, there's different techniques and there's different things you can do to fake someone out or, or feint a movement and, and uh, you know, take an advantage against an opponent. That, that's, that's the deception within martial arts. But, but what our topic is today is specifically deceptive martial arts as an art form so to speak like uh in chinese kung fu drunken boxing okay drunken boxing is a martial art it is an actual martial artist the idea is to mimic a person who is inebriated and use the off-balance postures as deceptive movement to make attacks defenses it requires a high level of agility as far as flexibility, and actual balance, balance. Even it looks like you're off balance the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, agility, balance, core strength. There's different methods of using your body to attack. It gets out of the traditional just punch with your fist or kick with your foot esque techniques. It and imply it applies the you know use of the shoulders, the head, the hips. Of course, elbows and knees. Does it apply use of the bottle at all? For real, is that is that really a thing? Are you making a joke? Or are you actually asking? No, that's yes, yes, that's a legitimate question. I think I mean because you see in a lot of movies, and that's movies, um, they have like a, a bottle of wine, you know, or like whatever you call those little. So again, the, the drunken fist is is designed to mimic the inebriation of an individual to uh, effectively defeat an opponent. Now, long time ago, curiously yet stupidly, I tried it. And, well, what the alcohol did, of course, it makes you a little woozy and stuff, but the, the really only thing it, it does is, is it blocks your pain receptors a little bit. But the problem with alcohol being a, a, a depressant, I, some people get aggressive with it, some people go to sleep with it. It's not really a smart thing to do to actually try to drink alcohol and fight. Because if you want to look <laughs> at what drunken boxing is in that sense, you go to a bar... And someone starts some crap with you, and they're drinking. Guess what? They're doing drunken boxing. They're doing drunken fighting. They're drunk, and they're trying to hurt you potentially. So, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. But 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 curiously, I did try when I was younger uh, to get myself to a buzzed state uh, uh, using vodka, and tried to practice it to see if it was legitimately going to work or not, and it didn't. <laughs> No, it was, again, it was a very stupid decision, but out of curiosity, I did try it. I do not recommend that for those of you listening. Don't get drunk and try to do flips and twists and 
hit things with your yeah, wrists. Yeah, I, f- I find that, like, I don't get drunk very often at all, but whenever I have tried it in the past, or got drunk in the past and tried to show off some moves just for fun, you know, kicking a bag or whatever, I just didn't, my balance wasn't there, and I wasn't, I, I just there, there are a lot do of, it effectively. There are a lot of <laughs> videos out there, and this is for folks that, whether or not they train or they don't, they get a little inebriated, they get a little liquid courage, so to speak, and they try to like hang up a watermelon from the top of a roof and, and try to kick it with their feet, or they uh, try to break a piece of plywood for whatever reason <laughs> with their fist, and you know they wind up breaking, uh, breaking their knuckles or something like that. Uh, I actually knew a guy who did that one time. We were at a camp out, and, and uh, he had a little too much uh, liquid courage, and basically decided to say, hey, y'all, watch this, and, and went to try to break, um, matter of fact, it was a sheet of plywood. And he, we wound up driving him to the hospital because he broke his knuckles. And we told Ow. him we told him not to do it. We tried to stop him from doing it, but he, he wasn't hearing it. He wasn't having it, and he said, no, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And basically he punched the wall of a trailer and had plywood on it, saying he was going to put a hole through it. And he broke his knuckles, and we had to take him to the emergency. Did he end up actually putting the hole through it? No, he oh, broke man. his knuckles. Yeah. He took he took his knuckles and he pushed his center knuckle up to the middle of his hand. He, he broke it. He did break something, <laughs> but yeah. he didn't feel yeah. it. That's the problem. That's what the alcohol did. He didn't feel the pain until the next day when he sobered up. Wow, so. it's unfortunate. I mean, it's alcohol does give you courage, but not, it, it's not always a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, getting on, getting back on to drunken boxing specifically. My personal favorite movie is the original 1974, 75, somewhere around there, Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. They did like a remake of, not a remake, but they kind of redid it. For, yeah, back in the 90s. Yeah, but it was, two, it was no, the 2000s, same, 2000s, 2000s. same movie, but they changed the dialogue a little bit, and it just it wasn't the same as watching the original one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was awesome. But but I, I pulled up some information here, and, and uh, I want to read it off just a little bit on the eight drunken gods and, and what they were actually used for uh, according to the movie. You had the first one, which was uh, Kao Goju, uh, or Guoju, I don't know how to pronounce the name very well, but um, he went—he was supposedly the drunken immortal who he was uh, really, really skilled in joint locking, essentially whether it would be arm barring or leg locking or neck cranks or what have you, he was skilled in Chino, and that was his skill set. Oh, and so you're talking about, okay, you're getting into the eight, you said the eight immortals, the eight right? Immortals. From like the movie. Yeah, yeah, the eight immortals, the actual eight immortals. Uh, there was Lee, Lee Taiguai, who, uh, he was the drunken, he, in, according to the movie, it was the drunken cripple with the strong right leg. Basically, the idea behind his movement was, he walked around as a cripple with a cane, and uh, then he would use that to feign a weakness, and it would be deceptive, so that way he can kick the crap out of his opponents. <laughs> you know, essentially what it comes down to. Uh, there's the they called him the fat god Han, who basically was supposedly the strongest of all of these guys, and he walked around carrying a, a big old pot with him. Uh, that's where you see in like drunken boxing where they have the arms around like they're holding a big like a big pot or a big barrel of something and they lean backwards and looks like they're drinking it. That's representation of Han with his strength. And uh, 
he, he uses um, basically the pot and the movements of the arms are, are very peripheral, if you, not peripheral, but uh, polar. They, they, they have a lot of polarity about them. They're equal and they're even in their movements and they're very, very strong. Uh, then you've got uh, Zhang Gaolo, who was the uh, drunken guy, according to the movie, that he was the uh, the drunken god with the swift double kicks, and I did a little I did, I did a little reading on it, and um, basically he rode a donkey. <laughs> he, rode a donkey. he rode a donkey. Donkey, and, and, <laughs> donkey. <laughs> it's my swamp. <laughs> uh, he rode a he rode a donkey, and um, he basically learned from the donkey. As like he would uh, see the donkey getting attacked, and he would he would learn how the donkey was defending himself with both of its hind legs and, and snap kicking and things like that, and that's how he developed his his art. You've got uh, you got Han Shang Zi, who he was the flute playing immortal. Basically, think of Peter Piper, except Chinese, and he would have very he would play the flute, countering enemy attacks. He would. Uh, has powerful, very strong wrist because he was a flute player, so he had a lot of finger dexterity, a lot of wrist strength, and he would use his wrists and, and hit with people with his wrists uh, as far as his attacks and his, his movement. But he looked like he was playing a flute like Peter Piper while he was doing it. Kicking it almost like he was playing Doom when he's walking Since y'all can't see what we're doing, he had the, the, the arm movements there, kind of like he was... Play how the guy in Do the original Doom game walks. Yeah, around. Sarge. How Sarge walks around. And then, as long as you see the character on screen, you pull the trigger, and it, 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 it kills the imps and all the cyber demons and things. So um, then you have uh, Lon. Back to back to the topic here. Uh, he was uh, the god Lon Kai He or, or Kai He, and, and he um, he basically had the swaying waist. Uh, he used his hips a lot in conjunction with his movement to develop a lot of powerful strikes. And uh, according to the, uh, the little research, essentially he was uh, very ambiguous, like he would carry a bamboo basket and he would move around and with a swaying waist, it kind of had a very feminine-esque attribute to it. But in essence of that that particular movement of utilizing the waist, utilizing the hip structure to develop power within strikes, I mean, it's definitely something that's deceptive because it looks like I might be going one direction and then I can use it to go the other direction. Kind of like how when we do grappling or when I'm teaching Wing Chun or we're doing anything in our Kung Fu system as is, how we're utilizing our hips and our waist to be uh, stronger in posture and in position. But... Think of some of our basic movements where we're sidestepping away and it looks like we're running away and then all of a sudden we turn back into the person and make the attacks. Sure, it's deceptive movement. And then you have the very last god. Uh, her name was He Shanggu, uh, or, or Miss Ho. <laughs> Sometimes was, she was referred to in the movie. Uh, essentially, the, the system that she developed, a culmination, was like a shinobi of Japan. She would be able to flirt with her enemy and use that flirtatious nature to get in to make short-range attacks and evading and evading attacks while in close range 
by the same nature of the movement of the, of the flirtatious posture. I remember when Jackie Chan was doing that in, in Drunken Master. It was funny. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to do this. He's like, and then he's told by, uh, what was it, So High? He was like, uh, or Sam, or Sam, Sam, Sam C. C. Or So High. One of the two. The, the translations were two different ones, but uh, he was basically saying, create your own Miss Ho. And then he finally <laughs> did. It was pretty cool. I mean, I still watch the movie on occasion. But uh, that's actually... The uh, information on the on the drunken boxing, and I studied it myself. I, I, I did learn a couple of the uh, empty hand katas and forms with it, and they're fun. Don't get me wrong, they're fun, and they have a lot of useful techniques. But in practice of it, or rather an application of it, it doesn't necessarily need to be very flashy like you see on the movies. Very exorbitant and over-exaggerated movement. If I'm saying that correct, exorbitant, you know, it doesn't have to be flashy, doesn't have to be so, oh, eccentric rather, not, not exorbitant, oh, yeah, eccentric, right. eccentric movement and over-exaggerated, flashy, big circular movement. It's great to understand the art, great to understand the concepts and the history, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be applied in that same way. The principles can be applied. Uh, the actual art and how it's practiced can be uh, can be changed here and there based on the practitioner, based on the teacher. I mean, again, then you're getting into different languages of Japanese, Chinese, Korean, uh, you get to American English, and any martial art you think of, you can take the principles of something and apply it to your art. It's almost like math. It's universal. Yeah, exactly. It's a principle of movement is what it comes down to. Because without movement, there's no attack. Without movement, there's no defense. So... What else is here? Okay, so four deceptive martial arts. The other deceptive martial arts we were going to be talking about, um, honestly, it's not really a martial art, but it's ninjutsu. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of people get that confused. I, I mean, I honestly didn't know because I didn't really research it. Okay, uh, okay, let me just okay. let me just give you the rundown. Uh, ninjutsu is essentially guerrilla warfare. Okay, it's a tactician type system it's not an art form it, it's espionage it's assassination it's learning how to kill people through unconventional methods okay that that's what ninjutsu is uh, <laughs> it's yeah. not it's <laughs> not uh, necessarily that that i have a specific form or, or kata or uh, meditative practice the the true art of ninjutsu is learning how to kill people through unconventional ways. So the Ninja Turtles were failures because they never killed anybody. <laughs> I, the Ninja Turtles were PG. I love the Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles were, were PG. If they were, <laughs> if they were not PG, and if those movies were not PG, oh, I, I, I have no idea. I would pay how to see would... a rated R Ninja Turtles. That would be funny, and it would be awesome. I think. Yeah. Until somebody puts a nuclear bomb underneath the sewers and just lights the whole thing on fire. And goes, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's rated R, so I mean, you could... You, you know, can do whatever you want, yeah. I guess, at that point. But yeah, it, it really, ninjutsu comes down to guerrilla warfare. That, that's essentially what it is. That's really all I've got to say on that one. Uh, there's history, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can look up. For example, the... Uh, uh, Modern practitioners of Nimpo and, and Ninjutsu, and you can look up some of the schools that are associated with them, or rather their organizations. I, I looked at, th there's three of them. The Bunjinkan I'm familiar with because that was uh, founded by Hatsumi Sensei, uh, and then there's the Genkin, Genkin Khan and the Genbukan. 
uh, I got I didn't really do too much research on those, but there there are those that you can look up and, and uh, check out if you want to do. I some don't remember. Wasn't what Frank Dukes did ninjutsu? Or yes, uh, Frank Dukes did ninjutsu, but uh, uh, one of the other guys that you could look up and research. If, if you want to get some more info on ninjutsu, would be Stephen Hayes. He's an author and a well-known martial artist. I think he's in his 70s right now. And uh, he, stundered, he studied under Masaki Hasumi, uh, Hasumi Sensei, uh, under the Bujinkan. And uh, so check, check them out. You can, you can do a little research on that and, of course, ask any questions or whatever. And you can get with us and, and see what we can do to answer any questions that you may have. That, that's, that's my study of it anyways. I wonder if that's a racial ghoul study too. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, or Ra's al Ghul, however you want to say it. Batman? Are you talking about... Oh, League are you talking about the League of Assassins? League of, League of, Shadows, oh, League of Shadows. Oh, maybe. I get them mixed up with Arrow and all that stuff. They call them stuff. They call them... I don't even know what it is in the comics, but... So... <laughs> close enough. So, I mean... You got you got drunken boxing. You got ninjutsu. You've got deception within martial arts. So, what is deceptive martial arts? I mean, just based on that, deceptive martial arts is something you can use to fake someone else out. Doesn't matter how it how I go about it. I, for example, I can have a glass of water and I'm going to use the water as a distraction, and I throw the water in your face, and then when you put your hands up to wipe your eyes because you have water in your face, and I punch you. That's deceptive martial arts. <laughs> okay. Um, there's another question I've never really been asked this, but uh, it, it's a really good question. Is how does deceptive martial arts apply to everyday life? I could think of one thing is, uh, you know, somebody could, you know, egg you on or think you're going to fight him. Almost like Bruce Lee, you know, in the movie uh, Enter the Dragon, you know, fighting without fighting. He, he had him. Oh, just the guy on, in the yeah, boat? He got him on a boat and yeah. he just let him float off and yeah, avoided the fight. So I would say avoiding fights is, a, a you know, kind of how it can apply for one at least one way yeah i've never been asked well and like i said i've never been asked the particular question but i think i know where you're going with this and i i do cover this a lot in 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 the self-defense classes with our situation recognition and awareness training program that we have i uh i do cover this a lot and not i hate to say it this way but not being the victim Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I say that because if you're not situationally aware, if you're not paying attention to what's going on around you, you become a target. Is what what it comes down to. Well, and the way I look at it too, in this case is some people they either will keep egging you on until you do something, or they'll keep following you until they take you out or, or get you into a fight somehow. Yeah. So sometimes if you go along with it, deceptive martial arts and get them arts, to go somewhere uh, to get, and then you can get away from them. That's one way to avoid that fight. Yeah, deceptive martial arts. I've, I've had a to good do way, that before. A good way to avoid. Yeah, I, I could see that. A good way to avoid. Um, like today, when I'm when I'm riding when I'm riding the motorcycle or something, the the mannerisms that I put out while I'm riding a motorcycle aren't any different than what I do on a daily basis while I'm at work or when I'm teaching. My mannerisms are the same. Although my attire may be different, it's deceptive. It, it, it makes people visually think twice. It's like, oh, this guy rides a really big, loud bike. And, you know, usually they attribute a personality to that that's not necessarily so good, but they leave you alone. Versus if I was to ride a... Uh, Maybe a moped with khaki shorts and the sandals, and I actually tuck my polo shirt into my khaki shorts with a nice belt, which you will never catch me doing that. 
Okay, but that might put out a different persona-esque uh, or, or a perception that I may be, you know, not mean or maybe weaker or something. It really is visual at that point. Uh, but it's still deceptive because it is, it is per somebody who trains in martial arts and trains with defensive tactics and situation awareness and teaches it as well, I'm still paying attention. 90% of the time, yes, everyone's going to get caught. Everyone can get distracted. Somebody's going to have your number someday. But I try my best to avoid those situations. Um, this, but, even, even like a police officer, I mean, in everyday clothes, you never know they were a cop unless you knew them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and well, keep that, and that in mind, on my way here today, uh, I, was riding, I was riding my bike. I was coming through Tomball. And you know how it goes from 50 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour, right? Well, there's a car next to me. It was an SUV, and I'm on the bike, and I'm at 40 miles an hour, and I'm downshifting, and I'm slowing down. I'm at 35. I'm at 30, and I'm still coasting. And this other guy's coming up way faster, still coming up behind me. And there's a cop sitting in the middle of the uh, intersection, flashes his lights. I'm getting ready to pull over. He pulls the other guy over. It's like I'm like I don't know who he's going after. You know, maybe maybe I didn't slow down fast enough, but apparently I did. So I got the speed limit where I needed to. And the other guy just kept going. So the cop flashed his lights and went past me and pulled him over. I'm like, oh, well, okay, cool. I'm getting out of your way. I'm just going to keep going where I'm going then. <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess that was a, a little deceptive on the cop's part because I'm like, I guess he was going to pull me over. He got behind me, and I moved over, and then he went around. Maybe that could be a use of everyday life. Well, okay. that's, that's good so, luck, too. Yeah, that's no, fine by me. I mean, I'm not going to mess with them, and I'll do what they say. So, you were asking, you actually asked me this before on the phone, do deceptive martial arts styles work in a fight? Sure. Where's your deception? We're, just, we're discussing that here. Yeah. You know, yeah, that it, basically goes along with some of the stuff I, we're talking uh, about. Again, but uh, I mean, or, like like the chaos you're talking. We talk about fighting versus yeah, self -defense. fighting versus self defense. Yeah. If you're, chaos, if you're literally in a fist fight with somebody, you know, you know, you're doing guerrilla warfare. That's deceptive. That works in a fight. You're doing, uh, let's say you're doing boxing or something, and um, you know you have a match with somebody, and, and you're you're going at it with them, and all of a sudden. You, you fake a jab for them to duck, and then they duck right into your hook punch, or they duck into your uppercut. That's, that's deceptive martial arts. Or you arts. fake a hook punch and throw an elbow. That's deceptive, too, I think. Well, if you're doing, like, like kickboxing or something, or Muay Thai, sure. I mean, you, there's a lot of stuff that you can use technique-wise and movement-wise, principle-wise, that makes it deceptive. And that would be deceptive martial arts. It's, it's, like I said, it's, it's everywhere. There's a lot of things you can talk about with it, a lot of adaptation you can use with it. But it's in everything that we do. Well, as far as training. So we talked about like movies and whatnot. So obviously we know about the Ninja Turtles. You know, it <laughs> says Ninja in their name. Ninja Turtles. Drunken and Master. You, uh, oh, you got Mortal Kombat. Is, you got all kinds of different. Are stuff. there are there any other movies or movie stars that that you know movies you like as far as ninjutsu is concerned or deceptive martial arts? Well, one of my personal favorite movies from the 70s is Warriors from the East with Gordon Liu. I think I've heard of that one, but I've never seen it. Uh, the gist of the movie is his character is going to be wed to a girl, a friend of his from a long time ago, 
but she grew up in Japan, so the cultures were different. And in the movie, of course, it's the Chinese versus Japanese arts. You know who becomes better, and because he beats her in her system, she goes you know crying back to Japan, tells her dad and tells all the other instructors she trained with, and then like seven dudes come across from Japan to challenge him, each on a one-on-one -on -one fight. And to prove that the art is either better or worse, and the, the the movie at the end, of course, there's awesome choreography, awesome fight scenes, uh, but in the end, the movie and the premise of the movie is the fact that no one art is better than the next, and and the the respect goes both ways. That was right at the end of the movie that they actually started discussing that, which I think is a completely awesome because it's true. Doesn't matter what system or what background you come from, whether you're coming from like a BJJ background or a kung fu background or a kickboxing background or karate background, it, it all comes down to mutual respect of each other and learning from each other and, and the principles. You don't have to learn the art form to understand the principles of uh, principles behind of what's being taught. You know, I can apply an off balance principle from judo, and I can add it to kung fu. I can apply uh, principles of Tai Chi and add it to Jiu Jitsu. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do because it comes down to the foundation. It comes down to the core concepts of what's well, that's, being taught. Well, that's what I've been applying as much as I can to like Jiu Jitsu is the Wing Chun concepts because it really has helped me with my movement and whatnot. Sure. Aside from understanding how to get in certain positions properly, how to move properly, but that using that leverage... Yeah, well, the concepts really of helps. leverage, the principles of leverage and balance and movement, or what we, what I talk about all the time is you can do standing up, you can do it on the ground, you just have limited mobility that you can do on the ground because maybe somebody's on top of you or you're trying to work to position on top of somebody else or you're transitioning between technique. You don't have as much square space of um, foot movement, you could say, while you're, like you would be standing up. Or if I'm working on a 20 foot by 20 foot ring, I have that 20 foot by 20 foot ring. Or if I'm working within the confines of a closet space, I still have the confines of that closet space I can use standing up. And then you take that and you make it even smaller and you put it on the ground and the principles are still the same. You just don't have as far necessarily that you move. But nothing changes as far as the principles. Now, um, I'm gonna mention one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen it in a while and I kinda wanna watch it again, but uh, uh, Chris Farley and Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh my god! <laughs> that I haven't seen great. that movie in years. He's he's at the beginning. He's practicing with the weapons. He's like swinging around a chain whip, and he ends up hanging himself with it accidentally. <laughs> it was so. Those fun. are kung fu comedies, man. That's a, those are awesome. Those yeah, are and awesome. then I think uh, Robin Chow is. Uh, uh, I guess they're like brothers where they're at. You know, yeah, they're they're to... basically adopted brothers of the Shaolin Temple, and and. Uh... He's just trying to get away from Chris Farley the whole movie. He's like, I don't want to be around you. And but he has to go save him. He has to go save has him. And then Farley at the end of the movie is like, don't mess with my brother. And he beats <laughs> up everybody actually doing his techniques accurately and correctly for once in the whole movie. I will say, it's always <laughs> impressive to see like certain certain celebrities you wouldn't expect to, to do like martial arts and whatnot and actually do it well. Like, Have you ever seen, the, there's a movie, I forgot what it's called, but Rob Schneider... Uh, he plays in a movie where uh, he goes to prison. It's called uh, uh, Big Stan. Yeah, Big Stan. That he was good in that movie. And he well, learned, Rob, he, Schneider, Rob Schneider was was learning from Danny Masano. Uh, he had Bob Sapp in the movie. He had a couple other guys out there as well. That yeah, he trained with them and and he studied the martial arts. But 
you got to also understand that not all actors have an opportunity to train martial arts every day. Like, for example, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. When he was training Wing Chun, and still is, all the time. He's training the art. And, and then what, what are most of his movies? Most of his movies are linguistics. Most of his movies, he is an actor of linguistics and he doesn't really necessarily have to fight too much i mean iron man of course you got iron man or you got sherlock holmes where he displays the martial arts and stuff like that but most of his stuff that he's done the majority of it he's not really fighting so i mean is that deceptive yeah, <laughs> i mean think about it, it. There, so. there are so <laughs> many I, I watched some of robert downey jr's movies and there are so many instances in his movies that if the creators chose to just based on language alone and conversation that a fight could have started. And then I'm like, what would happen? Like, that intrigues me. What would happen? Who would attack first? It's kind of like the whole Sherlock Holmes. They have, they mentally play the fight out in their head before it actually uh, takes place and, and, and uh, you know, there's a victor. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, you got anything else? Anything no, man, I think, I think that about covers it. It's kind of a little short short talk today. Um, I do have to say thank you guys for sticking with us. And I know this whole COVID situation that's been going on, we've, it's put us behind on a lot of things, posting content and getting the, uh, getting the podcast. Well, I think part of the problem is now, now that things are starting back up for us, or I have started back up, it's gotten busier, so it's been harder to get together to do this. And the, well, the I'm glad it's been getting busier. Oh, me but too. Now that we're getting back onto a set schedule, I'm hoping that we can get more of these done uh, on a timely basis, and that way we can keep the content rolling and, and make sure our listeners are still wanting to ask questions and, and, and interested in, in learning more about anything that has to deal with martial arts. Whether we're talking about McDojo's or or deceptive martial arts or uh, funny stories about growing up and doing stupid things when we're sparring or whatever, you know, all the content, it, it's great stuff. And and as I said before to all of our listeners, ask us questions, give us some anecdotes, ask us if you anything in particular you would like us to cover anything whatsoever that we can do some research on and, and talk about for about 30 minutes to an hour just to get some good feelers out there and and, and keep you guys up to date on on uh, our stuff that's going on as well so I mean it's always fun it's always fun to get all that content and and uh, get some new ideas fresh ideas because uh, a lot of times uh, people have had issues of being repetitive and they would say things and they would recap, and then they would talk about just that recap. Now, there's tangents, of course, but when your material gets stale, we don't want that to happen with for our listeners. You know, we want to make sure that we've got fresh material, uh, even if it's something that in an old podcast that you listened to, there was a specific topic that you'd like us to cover. We can isolate that. Just I want to make sure that everybody out there has an option and an availability to to get with us and ask us any of those types of questions. Or come to the school. <laughs> yeah. Come train. I mean, we're not famous or anything. We're just a bunch of normal guys. Just hey. a couple of normal guys. But, I mean. We're just trained. We, we just we, train. We train. We teach. And we all bleed red. So the whole idea is to constantly keep learning and keep building our own knowledge. So that way we're passing it on to our students and making sure that they're getting the best possible teachings that we can present. 
And then in doing so, you know, we're still learning from our instructors so that way we can add to what we know and still continue to teach it and, and become even better even everything even if things are maybe adapted or changed around a little bit to make something better well yeah and or, you don't have to a little easier rather you than, don't you don't have to spend you know a lot of money just to get with somebody who's famous necessarily a celebrity just to learn certain things you know because uh, I mean the, they're learning from people like us too so the, there's I, I sometimes I think that um, I like listening to what celebrities have to say or even celebrity martial artists and whatnot but sometimes I get more detail from people that don't have any other focus but martial arts or, you know, just they don't, they don't had, have the uh, distractions of having to deal with all the fame and fortune. All, well, not fortune uh, I've, had the, I've had the opportunity I went, when, uh, when I got to talk with Leo Young when he came down. Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, it was this past seminar. I know he, he came down twice so far, but uh, it was this past one in January. And he was telling me, he said a lot of the guys that he's trained in the martial arts cinema and a lot of folks that he's worked with that are also martial artists who train actors, he said specifically a lot of times that they will train them sp just for the movie itself or just for a particular scene. So they're not really getting the true nature of the specific art, but they are getting some basic training in to learn how to move, punch, block, uh, and do what they got to do for the movie. But once that once that particular thing is done, then sometimes he said that the actor or actress they don't care. They're just going to go to the next film and do what they're going to do. Which well, is that's fine. Their, that's that, their that, schedule. That, too. That's their schedule. That's their career. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, he told me he told me that it it's a it can be a problem, or it can also be a. Um, like a praise, if you will, not really, or maybe like a praise, but it still gives it gives you an opportunity to pass on a little bit of knowledge to somebody that they might have some sort of interest down the line, or they might be able to to recommend somebody to hey, you really need to go talk to this guy, you really need to go ask him to see if you can train with him or her, whomever, and, and learn something. Because I mean, even if one person doesn't like it, that's why we have referrals. Even if you were to, if, for example, if I was to talk to you and say you, you train martial arts and you're like, ah, okay, it's not really for me, I don't like it, I don't want to put the time or dedication in, but I know somebody that this is all they talk about and they're really interested, you know, that's a positive outlook on it, you know, rather than the negative of I don't want to do this, okay, bye, dude, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, I always try to take the positive outlook because... There are so many, so many things out there that we can do, and we, and for you and me, this is just one method. Well, yeah, and, and my point was too is like you don't you don't have to find somebody famous to get all this information. You know, somebody who's just well known. No, I mean, there's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge on this stuff that are you know just they just teach. Yeah, so, uh, like I said earlier, like for example, ninjutsu. I'm not super knowledgeable on it. I've done some research. I've see, I've uh, read read a couple of books. I've done some research. I've you know seen documentaries and things like that. But I'm not an expert on it. You want to go find an expert? Research. Go find an expert, whether they're famous or if they're uh, an instructor that just all they want to do is teach and, and and practice. I mean that that's fine. Go do your research. Go find the people and go ask questions. There's there's never really bad knowledge in my opinion. I mean there 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 are skewed concepts and there are skewed ideas. But all knowledge is good knowledge because then you can take that knowledge and then filter through it 
to find what's best and, and what's truthful. You got to find what works for you. Well, that's that's training. But I'm talking about finding what's truthful as far as history is concerned. Uh, for example, oh okay, uh, in the uh, in all of the movies you see, like with Dragon Ball Z, with energy <clears throat> blasts, and then you see these people that are online, and and it's only done with their own students, and and they they hold their hands to the person's head, and they're like six inches to twelve inches away from the person, or six feet away, and they go, oh, and then yeah. the guy falls over unconscious. The reason I know it doesn't work is because when I do it, there's actually an energy blast that does come from my hands. You can <laughs> see it. You see, if you can't see it, that, that means they're faking it. <laughs> I can do it where you can actually see the energy. <laughs> so I've only, I only get to do it a couple times a week because it makes me really hungry. But that, that, that's about it. I mean, I, I learned everything I know about Energy Blast from Dragon Ball Z, and, you know, I, 100% of them work 100% of the time. I, I bet you can. I bet you. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even do that in a straight face. I know you can't even do that in a straight face, but I bet you got to the point, like, when Gohan was teaching Goten how to fly, how to put the energy to your feet. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I think um, I did try the Kamehameha wave from my feet one time, and I think I put a hole in my car. Yeah, yeah, I put a hole in my car one time. You do realize that's called the tailpipe. Well, it doesn't matter what it's called. You know? <laughs> oh, my god! Like, I think I blew out the radiator. Your car doesn't have a radiator. <laughs> Your car has you, a radiator? It, yeah, it probably does. You, you just realize I'm talking a bunch of bullshit. It's all good. <laughs> yes, yes, I realize it. You just run in your mouth. Yeah. I but it's, it's, it's funny because, I, I got, again, that just reminded me of some of the McDojo stuff I've seen. And I'm just like, please, I want to go to one of those seminars. Try it on me. Let me punch you through your 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 uh, uh, force field of energy. I want to do it. <laughs> Just give me one chance. I'll leave afterwards. It'd be really sad. Like you go there and they actually do it and it kills you. It's like, oh. Well, at least I Oops. won't have to pay taxes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I just want to die so I have to pay taxes. <laughs> That's the only benefit. <laughs> yeah. So if the energy blast works and uh, all that good stuff, that's funny. But 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 getting onto that, real just as a, a quick tangent, it, it's also in like martial arts movies. Like you see all the old Jet Li movies, for example, and they're like poking somebody like fifty different areas on their body. It's like I have stopped the flow of your blood. I have stopped your energy. And they're like, I can't move. Or they or they have the kiss of the dragon thing, and then the blood rushes to their head and like stays there. It's like. It only works on cats. Uh, I don't that, know. That technique only works on cats. I've tried it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, they need nerve blocking. I mean, there, there's a, there is such thing as nerve blocking. I mean, that's real. Uh, you know, whether it's you. But you can pinch somebody. In no, nerve block. Right? Talking, I'm talking like with, with like massage therapy, with acupressure, with acupuncture, uh, and, and different things you can do with, uh, with chemicals, such as in surgery. You got nerve blockers. You got things that numb you. That's real. But you have to physically contact somebody in order yeah. to do it. You, you, you can't have this non-physical contact and expect it to work. You know, unless you can get the guy to believe what you're saying and then mentally you just screw their head up and then they just fall for everything you do. That, that's, that's a cult at that point. You know, that's a martial yeah. arts cult. Those, are, those guys, they, they give a bad name to folks like us, unfortunately. And they're out there, and they've been debunked so many times, yet it amazes me how many people still source them. It's because there's no such thing as bad publicity, unfortunately. You know, you're right. There, yeah. There's a lot of good publicity out there, and especially when people want their quick fix. And I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have 10 years to dedicate my life. I want to do it in three weeks. Really? You want to do it in three weeks and expect you're going to be able to survive an assault? Okay, dude. 
And well, then uh, my door's open, so whenever you're ready to come back, and I would say it's almost the same as trying to get like you know I don't I'm not talking crap about the Gracies, but getting your black belt through tapes that you watch. That they well, that's to. anybody. I yeah. mean, or tapes I, 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 there's something honestly, I just don't agree with it. I I do not agree with uh, submitting a video of a demonstration of a technique to obtain a rank. Now I do agree with submitting a video demonstrating your technique to have that technique critiqued. So that way That's different. you That's, can get yeah. the critique and it can be sent back to you via long distance, whether it's over into another country or whether it's five minutes down the road. Uh, I've done that before with our students. They would send me a video and they said, hey, can you look at my form? Can you look at my technique? And can you help me evaluate it to make it a little bit better? Sure. Great. But you ain't going to get ranked from it. I'll help you based on what I see from the video on how you can improve a specific posture, position, technique, whatever. And then I'll show you on the video what I'm talking about by doing one myself and demonstrating it as best of my ability because, again, we don't have physical contact. It's a little bit different. And then I'll send it back to get that critique over to you, and then you work on it. I agree with that. I think that's amazing, okay, because we have so much connection to the world nowadays that people, I don't see why they don't do it more often, to be honest with you, especially if they have friends in you know, Europe and they live in Argentina or... You know, I have, if I have friends in Spain and, and, you know, I'm here in the U.S., I send a video and they critique that particular position and I'm asking, hey, I'm doing this, 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 and this. Can you help me improve it? And then they send it back and they give me the improvement. You know, that's something I can agree with. But, but getting ranked through YouTube, getting ranked through video mail, <laughs> I think that's BS. Well, that's, I a, just, that's something I don't agree with. It's a terrible way to make money. Uh, for instructors, but yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that either because I, I, mean, I think it's just wrong. <laughs> it, Plus, you're not, you know, if you go, tr if you, if you end up doing that and you go and fight somebody who's been training for years and actually is good at the same quote unquote rank as you, you're gonna get your ass kicked. Well, the experience is a lot different because unless you're actually sparring every day, unless you're practicing that stuff with a partner every single day, you're not really gonna understand how it feels. Especially with somebody that you don't know. And you don't know what they're going to do. If you've never met someone before and you spar them, you have no idea what somebody's going to do. Okay, it doesn't matter. Sparring or fighting, you have no idea what that person's going to do. But you train, and you train with instructors, and you train with other students, and you train with other schools, and you, and you try to apply your techniques as best as possible, and you get that physical contact, you get that feeling on how to move, how to position, I mean, being as I'm on the topic of BJJ anyways, it doesn't matter. It, it could be Wing Chun. It can be Tai Chi. It can be the Northern Shaolin Kung Fu. It can be Karate. It can be any martial art you can think of. Unless you have that physical connection, that physical contact, you have somebody critiquing your movement, you're able to try to apply it, you're never going to be as good as somebody that goes to class every day if you get a mail-in belt. It's just never going to happen. Because, again, you don't have that physical connection to see if it works or not. You don't have the pressure testing. And it's like watching a kung fu movie, being able to mimic the movement, thinking you're good enough at it, and then you go out and get your butt kicked when you try to use it. That means it doesn't work. It's not that it doesn't yeah. work. It's that you don't understand how and why it works because you've never practiced it with somebody. You know, I, just because I can put you in an armbar doesn't mean I can go put anybody I want in that same armbar. 
if I only did the armbar one time and I didn't do it one million times and get really freaking good at it. And then I only, and it works 90% of the time. Sure. You have to practice it. You have to train it. And you have to be deceptive when you do it. And that's Kung Fu. Well, it can be. Well, that's yeah. Kung Fu, that's Jiu Jitsu, that's Judo, that's Karate, it's any stand up. Well, yeah, any you're practicing. Work. Practice for perfection. Exactly. And that's being deceptive in martial arts with some Kung Fu for you. <laughs> ah, you said it. You said it. I yeah. said it, yeah. yeah. I said it. All right. <laughs>